This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hello and welcome to Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love. I'm Carmen Pate, your host for this podcast. If our eternity is secure as believers, will we have to give an account for this life? And if so, for what purpose? Well, today's podcast will answer those questions and more as we discuss the judgment seat of Christ with Dr. Joe Wall. Dr. Wall is professor of systematic theology here at Grace and coordinates the training of Grace School with the work of his mission, East-West Ministries, in the Republic of Georgia and Central Asia. Dr. Wall has pastored several churches throughout Texas. In addition, he served as the academic dean of Dallas Bible College, as president of Colorado Christian University, and as executive vice president of field ministries and vice president of training with East-West Ministries. Dr. Wall is the author of Going for the Gold, Reward or Loss at the Judgment of Believers, our subject matter over the next three weeks. Welcome, Dr. Wall. Good to be with you. Well, if our listeners could see, we have a stack of books, and they're all going for the gold, but yep. in different languages. How yep. many different languages are represented here? Well, right now, I've got two, four, six, seven languages there, it looks like, and I've got Three more that are in the process. That is so exciting because, you know, our listeners are from around the world. Yeah. So that will encourage them to know that uh, that your book is available in their language. Well, you know, the topic of rewards is included in the new Grace of God course mm-hmm. that's being offered by Grace School of Theology. And in recent weeks, we had opportunity to talk to Dr. Ken Wilson about sovereignty. We talked to Dave, Dr. David Anderson about the issue of salvation. And and now we talk to you in the third section of this course on rewards. Mm-hmm. Now, why do you think rewards should be included in a, the topic of the grace of God? Well, basically, the reason we include it is that a lot of times people think that grace means what we do in life is irrelevant after we trusted Christ. Mm-hmm. So I can trust Christ. It doesn't make any difference what my life is like. I don't have to give account for it. It doesn't make any difference to God. I just do whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I misunderstand what grace means. Uh, there, I had a friend of mine suggest that when I was talking to him, I said, you know, we don't want to get licentious and we don't want to be legalistic. We right. want to be grace-oriented. So we need to kind of stand between the two. And he, he uh, I was a young man. I was discipling, and, and he said, I don't think that's the right. I think that's right. I said, what do you mean? He says, you don't get more legalistic, uh, get uh, less legalistic by becoming more licentious. You don't get uh, more, uh, less licentious by becoming more legalistic. It's not halfway between. It's above them both. Mm-hmm. To live under grace means you live under a grace relationship with, of love. You have a loving relationship with God. If you don't walk in that loving relationship, then you fall into one of the two. You mm-hmm. fall into license, I do what I want to do, or I fall into legalism, I do what laws want me to do. What I want to do is what Jesus wants me to do. Yes. And so the idea of rewards is saying, Jesus, I want to know what's important to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. And, and I love the fact that it is based on a love relationship, because when you love someone with your heart, soul, and mind, you're going to do right by them and by others if you're representing them, aren't you? 
Well, a good illustration of that is my relationship with my father. My father was a colonel in the Air Force. He's pretty strict. I grew up in a home where my my mother was bipolar and in and out of the mm-hmm. uh, mental institutions. I was born in the mental institutions. Some say that explains a lot. <laughs> but I found that uh, my, my mother loved me. I know mm-hmm. that. But yes. I, it was a difficult time. So my dad was both mom and dad to me. And during that time, I can remember if, if he said something that I was supposed to do, there was a certain type of of respect, a fearful respect for him. I didn't want him to be displeased with me. Uh, but I knew he loved me no matter what. And I wanted to do things because I loved him. Oh, yes. I, I had an experience one time that it is the epitome of what the judgment seat of Christ is about for me. It's mm-hmm. stuck in my mind. I must have been about eight years old. In those days, we didn't have electric lawnmowers or power lawnmowers. We had a hand lower mower. Yeah. And in those days, we didn't have electric edgers. All we had was a little hole. We had a lot of sidewalks in our little home over at West University Place here in Houston. And I remember, I'm going to surprise my dad by doing the yard. I went out and mowed the yard, and then I went and trimmed it. And I wasn't very good at it. I was just a kid pushing this thing around. But I remember my dad came home, and I remember standing in the in the yard in front, and he knelt down beside me, put his arm around me, and say, said, Joe, you got to quit doing this. And I said, really? Why? says, the neighbors will be jealous. Oh. And that, to me, is the epitome of oh. appearing in the presence of Christ. I want him to put his arm around and say, yes. well done, good and faithful servant. That's reward. That is reward. Beautiful. I love that. Wow. Well, you know, when we discussed salvation with Dr. Anderson, we talked about our assurance of salvation. Mm-hmm. So as I asked in the opening, uh, if our eternity is, is secure, then why do we need to give an account for the life that we live? Because it honors Christ. Mm, yes. You know, one of the thoughts that hit me over the years is that the Bible talks about being ashamed in the presence of Christ. And John, in, the, in 1 John, says, don't, don't go into his presence ashamed. Purify your life now. Confess your sins now. And, and when, he, when he says that, he, he gives this picture of, man, I don't want to be ashamed in the presence of Jesus. But I've been working overseas in shame cultures for many years. And I've noticed that families claim to be shamed by members of the family. Mm. And it struck me the way I live could be a shame to Jesus. Yes, yes. One of the, one of the things I don't want to do is, is have my life appear as a shameful thing in the presence of Christ and take away from some of the glory that he ought to be having. That desire to bring him the honor and glory he deserves. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Mm. Well, you know, Dr. Howard Hendricks wrote the foreword in your book, mm-hmm. uh, Going for the Gold. Mm-hmm. And in it, he wrote, we have lost a sense of heaven. And therefore, we've lost a sense of how this life is to be lived for eternal impact. Now, what do you think he meant by that? Well, I think he's trying to say that there are two ways of living life. One is to live with an eternal perspective, mm-hmm. and the other is to live with a totally worldly perspective. And most of the time, we fall into the trap of living totally on a worldly level. So we see everything that happens in our lives purely as something that is affecting our happiness now. And we don't see it with eternal repercussions Something that can, can happen to us at this point can have e- enormous eternal mm-hmm. uh, impact. And if you think about this, it's, it's kind of like the, there was, a, I think, a pastor, Chan, that was, had a little video he put on YouTube 
of, of I'm going to walk on this tightrope for the Lord. He gets up on a board and walks like his, like his kids do in gymnastics. And, and he says, and I want to I be ready for Jesus. And then he says, I'm going to do it this way. I don't want to fall off. No risk. So he, he lies down and grabs hold of it, and he doesn't take any risks. Mm. And he says, that's not the way you want to live your life. Uh, there are going to be risks in life yes. if your goal is to, to honor Jesus ultimately. And that's what Judgment Seat of Christ is about. It's a time when he gives rewards to us, but they're, 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 they're kind of a reflective thing. That's why in the book of Revelation, they're casting their crowns before Christ because he's the one that produced them. It's all his work through us. It's all us. his work through yes. us. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. Well, you know, we've titled today's broad, uh, podcast, The Judgment Seat of Christ. And I don't recall hearing maybe one or two sermons on this evaluation as believers before Jesus. Now, why do you think that the that this is an issue that's rarely spoken of, and yet it's a, an issue that is so critically important for the life of believers here on earth? Um. I'm not sure I can answer that question for every preacher preacher that doesn't preach on it. Uh, I did have an experience as a pastor, though, with that issue. I, I remember I decided I would do a series on the judgment seat of Christ when I was pastoring about 40 years ago, 50 years ago now. And I remember as a young pastor, I decided I would do it for three weeks. And I began to study in advance from my study. And I began to note almost every book in the Bible talks about eternal repercussions of what we're doing now. And I kept studying it and studying it, and I ended up preaching for almost five months. It's just too much stuff in the Bible about it. And somehow, I, I, I just, I don't know what blinds us to it, but there's something that keeps us from thinking about eternal things. Mm-hmm. Everything we want to think about is on a physical level. Yes. And I'm not sure why pastors and people at large we, we fail many times to think that way. I'm not sure I can answer that question yeah, yeah. because it's just it overflows in the scripture so much about eternal things. And it certainly is something that uh, the body of Christ needs to be educated on. No doubt about it. So that's why I'm so pleased that the grace of God course has the teaching on rewards. Uh, in this course, you referenced three judgments, mm-hmm. the great white throne judgment, the cross, and the Bema judgment seat of Christ. Let's address each one because I think we need to have an understanding, making sure that we don't confuse them and think we're all talking about just one judgment. Uh, so let's start with the great white throne judgment. Who will be judged here and on what basis? Well, according to the book of Revelation in chapter 20, uh, Jesus is going to rule, and we'll rule with him. And he's going to establish a kingdom on the earth, and he's going to fulfill what Adam was supposed to do. He's going to show the way man is supposed to rule this planet. And at the end of that period of time, he's going to establish a major judgment, it says, in Revelation 20. And he says he sits on the great white throne. So we call it the great white throne judgment. And he says that everybody comes before him whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you get to be judged in accordance with uh, the books. And the word there is scrolls. So you can think of a big pile of scrolls. And on these scrolls are written everything that you've done. All your works, good and bad. All of them are written. And everyone has got to be evaluated on 
how they live their lives. I talk to people all the time sharing the gospel, and they say, well, I'm just hoping that my good works will outweigh my bad works. The problem with this is uh, Isaiah says that all of our good works are like dirty rags. Mm. Now, that's I, this is a, it's a really filthy term. It refers to a menstrual rag. Mm-hmm. That's that stinky thing, mm-hmm. and, and it's something you don't want to have around at all. All our good deeds are like those of the presence of the holiness of God. So Jesus looks at all the things that the person does, and he says, "I'll we'll check them out. They all don't measure up." Yes, yes. And Paul would write that. He says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. So the books don't help. It ends up, Jesus says, I'm going to cast you all into the lake of fire. And so these are people that have not trusted in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. These are people who are saying, I I can do it on my own, mm-hmm. and so I'll come before you, and and we'll look at my works, and I believe I've been good enough, mm-hmm. but by what Scripture has warned us, yeah. nothing we do is good enough. All right, yeah. all right. So that is not a place that we want anyone. You don't to, want to show to up there. No. You don't want to be around with no. great white throne no. judgment. And that should really uh, prompt us to be more passionate about sharing the gospel of Christ with our loved ones, our friends, even our enemies who do not know him. That's right. Especially our enemies. Yes, especially our enemies. Absolutely. Wow. One of the things I've really been praying about and asking God to teach me how better to communicate with Muslims. Uh, And I'm finding there's a lot going on right now. Uh, Dreams, uh, visions. uh, And I work primarily in Kazakhstan with with Muslims that have trusted Christ, and they're they're power, they have powerful testimonies. My wife worked a really a uh, whole lot with uh, Muslims in Baku, Azerbaijan, and w- works with a um, a, uh, a women's abuse center, mm. and uh, they minister to women that have been beaten, and uh, every one of the women she's worked with are Muslims who trusted Christ. Wow. And they all had visions. They all had dreams of Christ before they trusted Christ. Amazing stories they got. So God's in the process of bringing people to Christ so they don't have to stand at the great white throne judgment. And it's a simple gospel. It's not Mm. one that's gotten real complicated. A a, a young baby Christian can do it. I'm discipling some young Christian guys right now. I've got them out there sharing the gospel. One of them led person to Christ a few weeks ago, another has led somebody to Christ this, uh, this last couple of few days. I, it's, you can share the gospel no matter how old you are in the Lord. And God's called us to do that so you don't have to appear before the great white throne judgment. Well, and you know, this next judgment seat really answers the reason why, and that is the, 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 the cross. Uh, let's talk about, some may be surprised that the cross is among the three judgments we're talking about. Explain why that is there. Because at the cross, you and I were already judged. Mm -hmm. See, what God set up was he knew that we're sinners. He knew we would be sinners. He knows that we're sinners. And he knows that he's holy and just, and he must punish sin. So the only solution is to have somebody take our place. Well, God said, I've got a plan. The eternal word of God, the Logos, we call him the Son of God, uh, the outward personality expression of the eternal deity became man. Mm. 
And so you've got a God-man, 100% man, 100% God. And because of that, it guaranteed he would walk in the way that a, that a godly man's supposed to walk. And so he conquered sin. He conquered temptation. And he, he did not commit any sin. In fact, he told his enemies, which one of you convicts me of sin? None of you can convict him. Of, none of them can convict him of sin. Only oh. breaking their, their legalism. And so he is a perfect person who could die for us. His name is Jesus. He's also called Yeshua, Jesus, Isa, around the world. He's known by many names, many, many forms of the same word. In English, we call him Jesus. Well, Jesus then becomes the most valuable human being in all of history. He's more valuable than you, more valuable than me, more valuable than 10 people, more valuable than a million people, more valuable than 100 million people, more value than all the people who've ever lived. He's more valuable, one person, the God-man. But he's also perfectly righteous. Because he's perfectly righteous, he is infinitely righteous. So because he's infinitely valuable and infinitely righteous, he can die for an infinite number of people for an infinite number of sins. Mm. In other words, he can satisfy totally and completely the holy demand of a law, the law of God, the justice of God. And so God judged him in our place. Mm. And because he totally took care of it and took the punishment on the cross, uh, he was raised from the dead. And now there's a human being. Not just, not just deity, but the God-man, one of us, who has been exalted as the ruler of the universe. And God says, I got you. I got it taken care of. All you got to do is trust him. Yeah. You accept him. Faith is not about believing a bunch of doctrines. Faith is, a, is believing in a person that the doctrines are about. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. It's believing in Jesus. And what did, who is Jesus and what did he do? Well, he is the eternal son of God. He's the God man. And he really died and was raised from the dead for me. And so we say he was judged at the cross for us. Then God says anyone who trusts in Christ is identified with him. As though we had been judged As with him. As though we were there. Mm-hmm. So we spiritually, the moment we trust Christ, the Holy Spirit identifies it. The Bible says puts us into Christ. We're in Christ and we share in his death and resurrection. So we personally, when you trust Christ, are judged. Mm. The judgment's complete. Yes. I already had my help. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> wow. You explained that so beautifully. And, and you know, it's it's... It's the truth. It's the gospel story. It's the gospel message we've known for since we became believers. Uh, and yet to me, it's just as exciting today to hear yes. it. It's, it's, oh. it's, it's still so thrilling and amazing, amazingly difficult to believe that, that Christ would do that for me, knowing how unworthy I am. It's a amazing grace. How could it be? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, That brings us to the focus of today's podcast, and that is the judgment seat of Christ, or the Greek word bema, uh, bema, I think, as it's pronounced in in some circles. First of all, how are we to understand a bema seat in the context of Paul's writings uh, on the matter? He talked about it as though everyone knew what he was talking about. So what reference would he have been making to a bema seat? Well, the, the the word, the Greek word that normally people think it was, should be pronounced bema in the Greek, but we pronounce it in English bema, so bema is fine to do. Uh, it's not actually the bema seat. The word bema means judgment seat. Oh, 
Oh, okay. The whole, the one word means judgment all seat. All right, all right. And so they, it's the judge, it's the bema of Christ. So it's the judgment seat of Christ. And we translate that one word with two words in English. The, this refers to something that's found in, in many places in the New Testament. Uh, it was a term that referred to a place where a ruler would sit down and would make judgments. Uh, you have a, it's also used of actually, actually the place in the synagogue where someone would come, uh, and they, they would have the, where the rabbis would be there with the Torah and that, the bima. It was a place where judgments were made. But it commonly was used by Roman rulers where they would, uh, sit on it like a, a, a local, a ruler in a city in Greece would sit down and make judgments, and they referred okay. to in the book of Acts that way. Mm-hmm. Paul, all through his, his life, referred, all through his ministry, you can track it through, talks about his life being like a race and looking forward to crowns. Yes. Well, crowns were what were given at the end of races and also at the end of wars. Uh, at the end of a war or a battle, then you would have uh, the, the Caesar sometime would sit on their judgment seats, mm-hmm. or it could be any ruler sits upon his judgment seat, and he would dispense a reward, and it would be in the form of a wreath crown, and he put it on their heads. Okay. Uh, you got that illustration, uh, if you go to the Arc de Triomphe in, uh, in uh, Paris, France, there's a museum up on the top of the Arc de Triomphe. And the wall is covered with wreath crowns that supposedly, I understand, Napoleon had given to his soldiers or his generals when they won battles. Okay. So this was a memorial to them. So the idea was a ruler could sit on a seat and pass out rewards. Mm-hmm. Now, it's never that we know of, it could have been, the word bima is never used of the Olympics itself. But what Paul seems to have done is taken this picture of a ruler sitting there mm-hmm. and joined it together with Olympic illustrations. Yes. So that this is a time when the ruler passes out rewards. Mm-hmm. So that's the bema. It's a judgment seat for, for the believer. It, it's got nothing to yes. do with the world. It's got to do with believers. This is people. It's like, got your generals, you're bringing them in. Like exactly. your guys on your track team, you bring them in, you give them the rewards. Wow. And I think it's important to to hear this explanation of it in context, because the people of Paul's day would have immediately understood exactly what he was talking about. They would have understood that connection. Uh, But for today, we need to have that explanation given to us. So thank you for that. So you said the Bema seat is for believers only. Mm -hmm. And so and for what purpose is this is this judgment? Well, the purpose of the judgment is to give an opportunity to for do two or three things, in my opinion. One thing that seems to dominate is it's the time when rewards are given out. It's the time, according to First uh, Corinthians, there's a process which involves revealing stuff about what yes. we've done. Mm-hmm. So there may be many things people have done that no one will ever know about except Jesus, and it'll show up. Mm-hmm. So if you ever, to me, this affects the approach to ministry. If I'm doing ministry so people will recognize me, then I'm missing the big point. I'd much rather have Jesus recognize me at the judgment seat of Christ. And if I take that lightly and I throw the old idea about eternal things out the window, what really counts now, then I'm going to fall into the sin of of pride, which is is very dangerous for the believer. Mm -hmm. So basically, it it is a time in which our lives are evaluated and God looks down on us. Jesus, the Son of God, evaluates what we've done. But he looks at us to provide rewards so he checks everything that we've done well if he checks everything we've done 
and we haven't dealt with it, if they haven't confessed it and got it straight before the Lord, then there's a negative side to the judgment seat of Christ. And it's shame. And it doesn't affect our eternity with no, him, no. But, but the shame and loss of reward. Revelation says he wipes away all mm-hmm. tears. I don't know. You know, he says that by the end of the millennium. So some suggest that the shame actually goes throughout the millennium. Some say it, it happens for a, a nanosecond. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just know I want him to be, be honored by, in my, by my presence yes, before him. Uh, and I, I just I want to do what really has eternal value, I guess, is what it's about. Of course, of course. And, and I do as well. Well, you know, you quoted Wilbur Smith in your book. Mm-hmm. He said the whole subject of rewards for the believer is both a joyous and a solemn theme, which mm-hmm. that explains what you said and should serve as a potent incentive for holiness of life. Perhaps uh, if we better understand, Dr. Wall, the process of this judgment, we'll better grasp why it's a solemn occasion. So what can we expect to happen in the process? Well, the, the best we understand it, there, there's one passage in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, that describes the evaluation of our ministries. And, and I extrapolate that and say well, that probably applies all of our life is supposed to be a ministry. Yes. The subject is having to do with different people. Uh, they're debating who's, who you're going to follow in the Corinthian church. They're divided who the leaders are. And Paul stops and says, look, don't, don't start trying to claim you're following Apollos or Peter or whoever it is. Jesus knows where your heart is and knows you've got to be following him. And what's really important is your ministry built on Christ. Is it, is it built on you or people or your denomination or is it built on Christ? If it's built on Christ, that's what really counts. And he says, by the way, when he comes back, that's what he's going to check out. <laughs> Did you yes. really build it on Christ? Yes. And yes. so he says, you can build it with good, with gold and silver and precious stones or wood and hay or trash or stubble. Yeah. And he said, the, all, the wood could look pretty good. You can build a pretty good ministry and it could look pretty fancy. You can paint it and make it look really good. But if, it's, if fire hits, it's not going to hold up. The gold and the silver and the precious stones will make it through fire. And his point is, our ministries will be evaluated. Now, I, I take it that our whole lives are involved with this, mm-hmm. uh, that everything that we do ultimately in that connection. But the one illustration of the process has to do with ministry. And so the question is, what really what really counts? Yes. And the Bible's filled with this. Jesus talks about it over and over again. It goes all through the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about doing things that have eternal value. Mm-hmm. Lay up treasure in heaven, he says. I mean, you can't miss it when you, the moment your eyes are opened. This is what happened to me. Wow. Yes. <laughs> There's so much. Yes. I've been taught about the judgment seat as a teenager and it affected my life significantly. But man, when I began to just study it carefully, I was flabbergasted at how much the Bible says, look at things from an eternal perspective. Mm-hmm. So that evaluation is what happens. And so what, what happens at the evaluation, Jesus says, okay, here's your life. It comes, it's, it's public now. Yes. And then he says, now we're going to test it. And he tests it with fire, he calls it, the illustration mm-hmm. of the metaphor. And if it remains, then you get a reward. Yeah. Now, somebody shows up and everything's burned up. There's nothing. He said he's still saved. Mm. Remarkable state. What do you mean remarkable. still saved? Yes. <laughs> it's because you're saved by the grace of God. Exactly. exactly. So he, the doctrine of rewards underscores the doctrine of the grace of God because it, re, it, it reminds us, yes, our lives are important, and it's important that we honor our Lord, but our salvation has nothing to do, uh, our eternal salvation, maybe deliverance in life, 
uh, from some of the problems of life in that sense has to do with the way we walk by faith. But but our trust in Christ as our Savior is is the basis for our eternity, and we're still saved, mm-hmm. whether whether we have anything or not to show up at the judgment seat of Christ. And that's so important for us to, to clarify that, because some do believe that, uh, again, if, well, if I'm a Christian, I go before the Lord, and, and I've failed in all these areas, then He might still send me to hell, yeah. and He is not going to do that. Our eternity yeah, he is loves secure us. He with Him. He loves us too much. Yes, He does. Well, we're going to have you back next week, Dr. Wall, uh, to discuss rewards in more detail. We're going to look at some of the loss, that, 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 that shame that we've talked about. It's important for us to discuss that, and then we'll be ending on a very positive note, and that is the rewards. So thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll Good. look forward to having you back Good. next thank week. Thank you. Good to be with you today. Thank you. Well, we uh, do hope that you have been encouraged by our discussion today. I hope you've enjoyed this discussion on the judgment seat of Christ. It's been very helpful to me, I know. We sure uh, be sure to join us next week as we get into the issue of service rewards and how you can prepare now for the evaluation of your good works and ministries. Share today's podcast with family and friends so they, too, might be encouraged. You know, we'd love to get your feedback. We've set up a couple of ways for you to communicate with us. You can email your questions or your comments to savinggrace at gsot.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at SavingGraceCast. Thanks for tuning in today. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.